This is the weekly message from Hope Church Malmesbury. We're so glad you can join us. This week's sermon is part of our series, The Promise and the Purpose. We're walking slowly through the Gospel of Luke, verse by verse, promise by promise. Find out more about Hope Church and how to support our ministry at www.thehope.church. I hope this message will help you to see the good purpose that God has for your life and help you to walk in faith and rely on his promises every day. Here's the message. Well, good morning. There are two of you awake and you've had an extra hour in bed. There, dear. Well, good morning. Welcome to Hope Church. It is 10.58 here in Malmesbury. So welcome to winter. Well, it feels like winter because the clocks have changed, haven't they? Although winter does not officially start until December. On the 1st of December, if you're a weatherman. On the 21st of December, if you're an astronomer. But for me, the changing of the clocks always seems to feel like it heralds the arrival of winter. In fact, now that the clocks have gone back, I'm going to put a marquee in my back garden, Howard, with flashing lights and funky music. This is the wind of my disco tent. <laughs> you see, see, Pastor Lydia said, those guys at Hope Church, they don't know their Shakespeare. They won't get that joke. So, so let's, let's, uh, this is the plan B joke, because obviously you didn't appreciate that one. John Bon Jovi, see, we've just moved eras of history. John Bon Jovi has now gone onto a strict fruitarian diet. Yeah, well, he's halfway there. He's living on a pear. There will be a time of ministry available afterwards for people affected by the issues raised in this morning's puns. Right, so, talking about changing the clocks. You know, that's a relatively recent idea. It was only at the start of the last century, kind of around 1910 to 1915. There was a guy called William Willett, and he was a really keen horse rider. So he started a campaign with Parliament to shift the clocks in England so that he could get a bit more horsey time while the sun was up. Interesting enough, his great, great, great grandson is a chap called Chris Martin, the lead singer of Coldplay, who of course had a hit with a song called Clocks. No, you're right, Lydia. People didn't appreciate that one either, did <laughs> Well, anyway, poor old, poor old Willett never got his extra horsey time. But with the outbreak of World War I, Germany started to advance their clocks by an hour in 1916 in order to, to boost the available working hours uh, to support their war efforts. And Britain copied them uh, a couple of weeks later. After they'd had a publicity campaign in all the newspapers to advise people how to change the time on their mechanical clocks without, without breaking them. Well, it must have had some kind of beneficial effort during the war effort, because when the Second World War came along, the British government said, well, if advancing the clocks by one hour is helpful, maybe we should try advancing them by two hours. So did you know during the Second World War, Britain was on double British summer time. We'd move the clocks forward by two hours in the summer and one hour in the winter. I mean, for me, changing the clocks, the, the changing the colour of the leaves, the arrival of mince pies in Aldi, all of these herald a change 
of the seasons. And today's sermon is titled, Know Your Season. And our journey through Luke continues, picking up immediately after the events that Richard talked about last week, when Jesus was challenging the crowd and challenging us to not be complacent and to enter through that narrow door while it is still open. And if you, if you didn't catch that message, it's available on our website or on podcasts, Apple Music, Google Play or Spotify. Just search for Hope Church Malmesbury. So enter through the narrow door, says Jesus. Don't take the easy path. Don't be complacent. And so our story picks up in verse 31 of Luke chapter 13. It goes like this. At that very hour, at that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. And so he said to them, you go and tell that fox. Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and on the third day I finish my course. Nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that, that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often, how often have I wanted to, to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings? And you were not willing. Behold, your house is forsaken. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Did you notice that just as Jesus had been teaching the crowd and his disciples not to be complacent, don't look for the easy way out. Strive to enter through that narrow door. At that very hour, some religious people come along to Jesus and tell him to run away and change all his plans. Yeah. At that very hour, the Bible says. So I said today's sermon is entitled Know Your Season. And the seasons I'm talking about are both those seasons in life, like being a student or being a teacher, living at home, leaving to go to uni, getting married, becoming a parent, getting promoted, taking on responsibility in church, volunteering for charity, all those kind of things that you do. But also what I call your seasons of calling, the calling from God and the seasons of the anointing that God provides at the same time to equip you. Maybe you're, because you're becoming a home group leader, taking on a ministry role in church, mentoring a young person or so on, something that's very much God-driven. And I think one of the first signs that there is a change in the seasons coming is that the enemy tries to knock you off course through intimidation and bad advice. 29 sermons ago, thank you Sue Jones for doing the math, 29 sermons ago, all the way back in Luke chapter 9, Jesus set out on his journey towards Jerusalem. And everything we have read since then, back when we started that in March, is this same single journey towards Jerusalem. Jesus' journey towards the cross. And by the time we get to today's passage, Jesus is less than halfway through that journey, geographically. He's only about halfway along. He's still in the north of the country, in the region of Galilee, where Herod Antipas, the puppet ruler of Rome, is in authority. Jesus knows where he is going. 
He knows what he needs to do. He has to get to Jerusalem. He has to keep on moving, and he's not going to run away. Now, you might recall that there was a a story we read some time ago about when Jesus visited his hometown of Nazareth, and the crowd tried to attack him, and they wanted to throw him off a cliff. And the Bible says Jesus has just escaped through the crowd because picking a fight right then would have been a distraction to the mission that he had. Whereas in contrast to today, when this warning from Herod is delivered, Jesus ignores it. In fact, he's ready for the conflict from the fight. He says, go and tell that fox, yeah, I'm going to do what I need to do. Jesus understands the season that he's in. Yeah, he's, he's still casting out demons. He's still performing cures. And then he knows the season that's going to follow when he says, I will finish my course. You know, in order to know the season that you're in in your life, I think one of the key skills we need to develop is to notice when the seasons change. When you go through that tipping point or that transition point, when you move from one season to another, maybe it's a change of job that goes on, a change in a relationship, a sensing a change in your calling from God. Sometimes we go through a season where God is preparing us, he's training us, he's teaching us, he's refining us. And then the season changes and we get to put into practice all that stuff that we've been learning, maybe for years. And at that point of transition, at that moment, it is easy for us to give in to fear and doubt and anxiety and just kind of back off and backpedal away from the thing that God is calling us to do. Maybe you recognise this scenario. You step out to do something new. You've prayed about it. You've sought godly counsel from other Christians. You're sure you're doing the right thing. And almost immediately, it just feels like everything starts to go wrong. It gets difficult. The plans fall apart. And you start to think, oh man, did I get this wrong? Is all this resistance God telling me I'm heading down the wrong path? Is this criticism from people I thought were godly people, are they telling me that I've got it wrong and I should listen to them? Well, let me tell you, your circumstances and your feelings are the least reliable and least likely way that God is ever going to guide you. You know, we have a shepherd who does not drop vague hints to the sheep. Yeah, the Bible says that he speaks to his sheep and his sheep know his voice. So when the Pharisee said to Jesus, run away, save yourself. You know, Herod, the butcher of your cousin, John the Baptist, he's coming for you as well. Jesus knew this this was not advice that he should be listening to because he knew it was contrary to his season. It was contrary to his mission, which was to get to Jerusalem. So when you go through that experience of noticing your seasons are changing, I think one question that we need to ask ourselves is, what do I now need to do differently? What do I need to stop doing? And what do I need to start doing compared to this previous season in my life? 
If we scroll back a couple of chapters in the Bible, we read that Jesus was ministering to the crowds and personally laying hands on them all and healing them. In Luke 4 verse 40, it says this, Now when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him, to Jesus, and he laid his hands on every single one of them and healed them. Now in that season, Jesus was doing it all himself. But seasons change. Jesus calls and trains his 12 disciples and then the 70 disciples and he sends them out ahead of him on this road to Jerusalem telling them to preach and teach and heal. And Jesus is following along. He's, kind of, he's doing the same but the seasons have changed again. Jesus said, what did he say? Go tell that fox. I'm casting out demons and forming cures today and tomorrow, but on the third day I will finish my course. That phrase at the end, I will finish my course. If, you know, depending on which translation of the Bible you read, it's translated a couple of different ways. In the ESV it says, I will finish my course. In the New Living it says, I will accomplish my purpose. Whereas the King James translates it as, I shall be perfected. If we take a little peek at the Greek, the word here is teleu. teleu. And within the ESV, it gets translated, well, lots of different ways. There's a little picture up there. Mostly it's translated as being perfected, but it means to accomplish, to finish, to end something, to fulfill something, to get it completed. You may know that the last words of Jesus ever recorded as he died upon the cross were, it is finished. If you read the book of Hebrews, it contains almost half of the occurrences of this Greek word tell you in the New Testament. And it speaks of many of those uh, different meanings or senses uh, translated. For example, in Hebrews 7.28 it says, For the law appoints many of their weaknesses as high priests, but the word of the oath which came later than the law appoints a son who has been made perfect, tell you, forever. So you've got this sense of Perfection is kind of wrapped up in this idea of things being finished. You finish making them, so now they're complete. Other senses in the book Hebrews, this word means to make something consecrated, to make something holy, to make a person qualified to perform a sacred duty. So in using this word, there's no doubt that Jesus is thinking about his sacrificial death on the cross where all of these meanings can be found. And he responds to the Pharisees and says, I'm not going to run away. I must go to Jerusalem. For it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. There is great clarity in Jesus' purpose. Just look at the words that he uses. I must go. It cannot be. He's clear on what must happen. He's clear about what must not happen. And so often I think that well, maybe it's just me. But we can drift through our days and our weeks and we never actually stop to think about what we must do nor even consider the stuff that we must not do. And when I'm talking about things that we must not do, I'm not talking about, you know, the sins, don't run with scissors. Yeah, don't do that. But there's plenty of good things that we must not do because they're not actually part of what we're supposed to be doing for God right now. In other words, they're a distraction. Yeah, there's only so many hours in the week. And every time you spend doing this, you can't spend it doing that. 
And if God's told you to do that, then doing this is something you should say no to. Do you get, get my point? Yeah? I mean, just think about all the people that Jesus didn't heal because he had already sent his disciples ahead of him for them to do the healing and the preaching along this road to Jerusalem. Sometimes you need to delegate. Let other people pursue their own calling. Get out of the way. Let them do it. They said that one of the essential leadership skills is knowing what not to do. A couple of weeks ago, I was at the, the Global Leadership Summit, and Craig Rochelle, the, the founder of Life Church in America, the people behind the, the Bible app, YouVersion Bible app, he was talking about the four tiers of leadership. Not, not the four tiers you weep, because it's, you know, <laughs> it's horrible. No, the four tiers as in levels, like a, like a cake. And, and th- they are this, up, up on the screen. There's four tiers of things that you do. Some of the stuff that you do, right, is tier one. It is mission critical. If you're not doing that, pack your bags and go home, right? You're just wasting everyone's time. Tier two is stuff which is important. It's strategic. It needs to happen. Tier three, stuff that is meaningful, but is it really essential? And I think the truth is that for many of us and for many churches, we spend most of our time messing around in tier three. Or tier four, which is stuff that someone else has asked you to do. And it's, if you're honest, it's a lower priority than everything else. But what happens? You're just too polite to say no. So someone asks you. And we spend all our time, or much of our time, bobbing around and doing tier four, tier three activities. Stuff that other people have asked us to do. Stuff that's a distraction. Stuff that, you know, it's not, not, not the important stuff. Now, whether you're a leader in business, in church, in your sports team, in your home, in your family, or just think about the way that you lead yourself through your life, yeah? self-leadership. Ask yourself the question, how are you going to spend your Monday? On stuff that you would put in tier one or tier three and four? Is it all stuff that someone else has asked you to do and you just went along with it. Our priorities, the stuff that we choose to do, understanding and recognising the season that you're in helps you put stuff on that priority list. And when your seasons change, stuff that used to be tier one suddenly might become tier four. And stuff that used to be tier three suddenly becomes what you need to be focusing on. But I wonder, I wonder if we were to look at the way that we spend our time through the week and try and categorise where we put our emotional energy, our physical energy, where we put our time and try and categorise it onto those four levels, we would actually find that really difficult. And we'll find it really difficult because we can't tell what's critical to our mission because actually we don't know. We're not clear at all about what should be our priorities in this season of our life. Therefore, we've got no hope of correctly deciding what should be on and off of our to-do list. Now, someone once explained it to me like this. He says, your calling is where you are going. Your assignments are the things you do to move yourself towards that goal or that calling. 
And when our seasons change, when we get this sense of being unsettled on the inside of God, I think a key thing we need to pray about, a key thing we need to discern, is what is it that's shifting? Is God bringing a move in our calling? You know, you used to be called to be a mum or a dad, but you know what? Now your kids have all left home, they've all flown the nest, they've gone to uni, they've got married, and suddenly you've got all this extra time and energy, and God's saying, right, now I want you to go and do something else. Or maybe the season just has a change in assignment. God says, okay, you've learned everything you need to learn, now go on and do this, which continues to move you towards that calling. What I do know for sure is that the good shepherd does not leave his sheep to wander aimlessly around the hillsides, feeling lost and bewildered. In Romans 12, verse 1, it says this, I appeal to you therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. And when Paul says to present your bodies, he doesn't mean, you know, just your physical body. He's talking about all the stuff that you do with your body. So your time, your energy, all the stuff that your body produces. You could almost say to present your weak as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Start to think differently about everything you do. Start to think and look at the world differently. Set your priorities differently. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is the season that you're in, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, many parts, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though we are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service then in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. You know, God, through the Holy Spirit, gives his gifts to be used, not to put on a shelf and admired. So if you're ever wondering, what is your calling? What am I supposed to be doing in this season? I've got to tell you, it's going to involve using those gifts that God has given you. The gifts are provided for building up the body and extending God's kingdom. Now, another reason for paying attention to your season is to not make sure you don't miss out on what God is doing. By being unobservant, you miss what God is saying. You know, in Luke, back back to today's passage, Jesus says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills prophets and stones those who are sent to it. Now, for hundreds of years, God had sent various prophets to Jerusalem, and they had all been rejected and killed. King Joash killed Zechariah, Joachim killed Uriah, and Zedekiah's officials threw Jeremiah into a muddy cistern and left him there to die, to name just a few examples. And so now Israel, as personified in the city of Jerusalem, is again rejecting the messengers of God, first John the Baptist and soon Jesus. But Jesus' response 
is to show the Father's heart. He's not angry, he's sad. He wants to care for Jerusalem and its people, but he knows that they're going to end up choosing the path of self-destruction. You know, 600 years, 600 years before the events in today's passage, the prophet Jeremiah issued a warning to the king of Judah and to Jerusalem saying that if Israel failed to do justice, if Israel insisted on being disobedient, the prophecy said, this house shall become a desolation or make you a desert, an uninhabited city. And both then and now in today's passage, the house is Jerusalem, the city. So when Jesus says, behold, this house is forsaken, he's calling back to this prophecy of Jeremiah. And come AD 70, the Roman army would have swept through Jerusalem and raised it to the ground. Jesus closes off this section with a callback to Psalm 118, which Lydia read at the start of the service today. With this prophetic song, which ends with the phrase, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The words that the crowd is going to shout in a few weeks' time, when Jesus enters Jerusalem riding on a donkey. Well, a few weeks' time in Jesus' life. The rate we're going, we'll get to about Easter, which is probably quite appropriate. The, the purpose of today's message is to remind us all to watch the season that we're in, to spot the season shifts as God moves us from one set of priorities to another when those opportunities that he's been preparing for us are suddenly presented before us, and we have that choice, whether or not to take that step of faith and obedience, or we just kind of go back to what we know and trust from history. Now, it can be tempting to think, I reckon, well, you know, it's easy for Jesus to know what he was supposed to do. He's God, right? He's got God the Father on speed dial. He always gets clear answers well scripture promises us that the father and the son will speak clearly to us as well one of my favourite verses Isaiah 45 19 God says through the prophet I do not speak in secret in the land of darkness I did not say to the offspring of Jacob seek me in vain God doesn't whisper secrets in places where we can't find them In Jeremiah 33, God says, Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. And God promises to teach us stuff. And Jesus said several times, in John 10, 27 is one example, he says, My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. The promise of today's message is this, that God will tell you what on earth you should be doing for heaven's sake. If you seek him, you will find him. If you ask, you will receive, because these are the promises of Scripture. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you are a God who is near and not far away. You are a God who is close and not distant. You promise that when we ask, we will receive. And you promise us wisdom when we ask for wisdom. Lord, we ask in Jesus' name that you would grant us the wisdom to rightly discern the season that we are in, to spot when our seasons change and our focus and our priorities need to be adjusted. 
Lord God, we thank you that you forgive us for those times when our pride or our fear have called, caused us to hold back from what we know you have called us to do. So Lord, I pray that you would grant us all a fresh measure of your Holy Spirit wisdom to guide us through this season and the next. In Jesus' holy name. Amen. 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 Listen, if there's something you'd particularly like prayer about, maybe you're wondering, am I on that seasonal tipping point? Then we'd love to, to pray with you. Lydia and I will be around. We'd love to pray with you. Or the house group leaders are here as well. Uh, just before we finish, I would remind you that we've got the big quiz on Sunday the 20th of November right after the service. We'll have a bring and share buffet. You're all invited. Unless, of course, you're watching online in February, in which case you missed it. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen. <laughs>